Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our patrons, thank you. This is your extended ad-free version of this week's show. And if you'd like to join us on our Patreon journey, uh, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech and getting our ad-free extended episodes. And thank you to Raj Kumar. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly uh, for being the latest to join us on our journey. Thank you so much for being with us. Ian, it's a, it's a shame that we're not in person again as we were last week where I could uh, I could both <laughs> smell and see you as well as hear you. Yes, um, I mean, I, we have talked about this and I do think that there is some mileage. I'm obviously, I'm, I'm now freelancing again, so I don't have to be stuck as an office. So I do think there's some mileage as at least trying, you know, semi-regularly to have an in-person podcast uh, because it's just nicer. It is nicer. I think the chemistry uh, is always a little richer when we're, when, we're, when we're in person. It just makes it slightly harder to do the live show for for patrons so um if if you uh if you like the sound when ian and i are in person and, and would like that to continue but possibly at the expense of a of a live show then uh, do let us know ian shall we don our uh, our speedos and, and dive into the uh the chlorine filled baths of this week's news i see no reason not to nate well me neither let's begin then <laughs> as we're both here i a handful of homes in Cambridgeshire in have tested broadband speeds of get this you ready uh-huh. 8 gigabits per second 8 that's fast gigabits per second as part of a trial by Virgin Media uh, the BBC wrote this week currently it's only available in 8 households uh, not 1 <laughs> gigabit uh, per second each but 8 uh, gigabits per second each in the village of Papworth uh, they're involved in the trial, but Virgin Media hopes to extend it to 50 over time. Now, this technology uses what's called Ethernet passive, or rather, an Ethernet passive optical network, which actually means you get a um, is it asynchronous or synchronous? Yes, Basically, no, no, it's uh, synchronous, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's 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 eight gig uh, up and eight gig down, which is just now, magical. They didn't say whether it was eight gig up and eight gig down, or whether it was um, it was shared so is it four gig up and four gig down or is it actually eight gig up and eight gig down i believe it's the same speed up as it is down that is mine yes that is mine but i want well yeah i mean yeah uh, i was confused when i was writing about this last week because uh, i didn't i wasn't quite sure if they were just saying eight gigabits as a total speed um and whether i mean i i I assume that it's not the more you're downloading the slower your upload is because that would be the thing at all would it but it uh, it seemed like it might be slightly confusing language there is a huge part of me that thinks that uh, if you were uploading something at four gigabits per second and were irked that you were not getting your full eight gigabits per second down uh, that you should uh, take a long walk and really think about your priorities <laughs> in life 
Well, yes. I mean, and particularly Virgin customers like me and you who are stuck on relatively modest uploads, which is a huge problem for uh, content creators who do a lot of YouTube uploads. And, you know, I mean, even simple things like doing a podcast and, you know, it, it, it can hamper it a little bit, can't it, if you've got a poor upload? It is. I mean, my upload speed is 20, uh, it's 20 megabits per second, but I, by but but my, my my download is 380 megabits per second uh so and i would i would gladly sacrifice a little bit in order to increase that in fact to be honest i would quite happily sacrifice most of it if it was that i had a total of you know 400 megabits per second but it was up to me at, as to what i did with it at any given time upload using that bandwidth or download but um but there we go i mean there's there's not a technical reason they can't provide a much better upload, is there? It's just that they don't. They can switch. They can switch it on. Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. Um, but by the way, eight gigabits per second—that is one thousand megabytes per second transfer. Is that right? Eight gigabit. It depends how you measure it. Um, yes. Because if you, if it's one hundred two four, we should we could work this out in a more interesting way uh, than on the podcast. Hearing people uh, having us do maths live f- for you, um, but yes, but you, you, you're talking about probably somewhere in the region of like eight hundred megabytes a second being downloaded. I mean that is phenomenal, isn't it? I mean that is a film in a second. I mean obviously not 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 a not a long film. Not a. I mean perhaps. Uh, what does the average iTunes film come in at for, say, an HD movie? Is it? It's probably around you know, fi- about five, five or six gigabytes. Oh right, so it's um, presumably it, well, that would be you know five seconds. Yes, about five seconds. I mean, uh, yeah. that's phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, uh, or, or a four K film in about twenty seconds because they're about twenty to twenty five gig. Also, I was sort of interested by this because I don't think that. that so you mentioned the technology is EPON, right? Which is you know Ethernet over passive optical network um i don't think that virgin will actually ever end up delivering that to customers uh, but i was looking into this because obviously what they use at the moment is a technology called doxis uh, and they're on version three and in order to get speeds of around 10 gig potentially get speeds of around 10 gigabits per second uh, they could upgrade to doxis 3.1 but they don't believe they've done that now they have they have been promising a rollout um, and it seems like it's the best way of doing it really. Uh, but they also seem to suggest that it doesn't actually require all that much to do it. The equipment is probably already there. It's just a matter of them changing it over. And then of course, everyone has to get a new hub, uh, which is obviously not a cheap process in itself. If you're trying to give them out to, you know, loads of customers at the same time, but it doesn't sound like Virgin is that far away from being able to offer this as an actual service, assuming its capacity on the network is sufficient? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I have a feeling that there are some places in the US that are using Doxis 3.1 already. Um, I'm not sure if that's what Google uses for some of its mm. its fiber. There's a place what? in Den- Denmark, I think, is it's somewhere in Denmark is using it. But Europe's a little bit behind compared to the US well, in also, terms of Doxis I mean, deployment. I'm not sure um, whether Google Fiber, which has also been suffering problems, they've they've cancelled a whole city, haven't they, again? Yeah, Um, but they cancelled a whole city, I think, because they used the wrong kind of trenching for the cables. Mm. And so they had to pull out because of that, not because they think the actual physical service was flawed. It was more the the way that it had been deployed was... But also, 
they're not making money on it, I think, is the ultimate answer. And I think that they've lost patience with the whole concept. I don't think that they'll be doing a huge amount more rolling out. But I also don't know if that was five to the premises. I'm assuming it was. <laughs> but excuse me, sorry. But I don't think we're anywhere near getting fibre to the premises for most people. Um, I don't think Virgin is going to re-cable everything. I just don't think that's ever going to happen. So I think if anything is going to bring those kind of speeds, it's going to have to be the, uh, what's it called? The hybrid, is it hybrid optic? optical coax oh i can't remember it's a hybrid network basically that doesn't really have any fiber optic anywhere near most people's homes and is all coaxial cable but that's fine because it's very fast yeah i mean google fiber definitely was fiber to the premises because that was one of the big selling points yeah i mean and i I don't think that i I don't think that bt is in in a position to be doing uh fiber to the premises really and on a mass market level um and i and like i said i don't think virgin's going to re-cable everything it's just they just have to work out how to get fast signals over existing infrastructure well the um there's a gentleman called richard sinclair ian he's the executive director of connectivity at virgin media And uh, he told the BBC that with the volume of our customers' internet usage almost doubling every year, trials like this will ensure we have the capability to meet the demand of data-hungry services in the future, be that over cable or full fibre. You know, so, you know, this is very much a future, a future proofing experiment. And and whether this becomes the the backbone for what we, we actually have in the future or not, you know, remains to be seen. But these sorts of tests need to be done, at least in order to prove the viability of this sort of thing. Um, I do wonder if any, if you are one of the eight households in Pepworth, in Cambridgeshire, uh, Papworth, sorry, uh, that is using uh, using this service, do uh, let us know. Uh, your email will get to us extremely quickly, no doubt. Hello at techpodcast.uk. And if you remember, Ian, I think around this time last year, we may have talked about it. There was the hyperoptic company that was testing 10 gigabit uh, per second fiber in Stratford. And there was an FT story at the time that said it was going to be offered to business customers. But I, I went through the hyperoptic website today and I saw absolutely no evidence of availability. The fastest they've got right now is one gigabit per second, which is oh, no. in, in both directions. I know, right? Uh, and that costs 38 quid a month, which is actually not bad for a residential, great, you know, one gigabit per second. No one can get it. No, I, put, I refuse I, to spend even a moment thinking about hyperoptic because they're not doing residential homes that aren't new build flats. And thus, it is useless to me. Yes, and they don't come to Broxbourne in Hertfordshire, so uh, it's completely no. useless to me. But still, if they do come, £38 a month is less than I pay for my 380 megabits with Virgin, so I would be very interested in that service. Mobile Network O2, Ian, has been criticised by Ofcom for compressing the quality of pictures and videos on its data network for millions of its customers, thereby downgrading the quality, which is against net neutrality rules, the Telegraph wrote this week. Now, this Mm. is almost always done, and has been done for a long, long time, um, as a way of either speeding up how quickly videos play or how fast your photos download or to reduce how much data people use up of their bundled allowances or indeed all of the above with a benefit to the network being that its infrastructure will be less congested. But, Ian, at present, the EU's net neutrality rules are applied using a self-regulatory approach in the UK via the 2016 Open Internet Code. Don't worry, uh, light-hearted fans, we are going to get back to some uh, light-hearted conversation in just a moment, but bear with me with the jargon. 
And the open internet code requires providers to treat all internet traffic equally without discrimination, restriction or interference. Um, Essentially, and this I say essentially is according to ISP review, the code means that broadband ISPs and mobile operators cannot impose excessive restrictions against legal internet traffic. So uh, the Telegraph reported that Ofcom had begun the inquiry into whether networks were following this practice in, I think, February last year, about a year ago, and it opened a formal assessment to O2's compliance in October, but wasn't happy with O2's responses, and so was probing it a little bit further, and it has until April to make good on a number of changes. Um, An O2 spokesperson told The Telegraph that we have historically deployed measures to manage our network traffic to help deliver the best possible experience for our customers. We no longer need these measures and are in the process of removing them. We've engaged with Ofcom regarding their concerns and are pleased that this concludes the matter. Now, Ian, if you remember, Hmm. this was a very, very, very common practice back when everyone was was. on 3G and had a few dozen megabytes of data allowance uh, every use. to use every month but i think these days it it seems a a, a bit better to implement this at the app or and or device level like apple's iMessage lets you choose to reduce image quality if you want to cut down on data usage and instagram has this low uh like lower (laughs) image quality feature as well because it eats up a lot of data i was gonna say uh instagram's always low quality i don't know what anyone's bothered about with it oh you'd be surprised i hate instagram it's absolutely terrible but anyway that's a topic for another day. Um, yes, yes, yes. So is O2 do you think just a bit behind the curve here doing this? It just seemed a little bit uh, ridiculous in the era of multi-gigabyte, multi-monthly uh, you know, monthly contracts. Yeah, well, I don't think that this is a net neutrality issue, honestly. And I'm a bit surprised it's been raised as one. I, I can, I, I don't, I, whilst I, and most of us don't want our images extra compressed or our YouTube videos to suffer, uh, I still don't believe it's quite as bad as it's been made out here now I, d- I do hate the idea of sticking up for o2 um but ultimately like you said i think these these things were implemented some time ago where it was a necessity um and perhaps they haven't been as quick at removing it as they wanted i'm assuming <clears throat> that if you were using a vpn you would bypass this is that does that seem reasonable to you yes so i mean people can always sort of choose it's not like they're sort of artificially throttling certain sites um i feel like that's a thing and also you know the internet is built on compression like you know you when you upload an image to twitter it doesn't stay the same quality when it's uploaded does it it, it is compressed data is thrown away um I, I kind of feel like that's just a part of the internet but that's if a decision want- made by the company you're uploading it to you know it's not for the isp to compress it on the way there uh no um no that's true um but i guess people just never noticed because ultimately you're looking at it on quite a small screen the only time i ever really noticed compression on those things is if if you're using a tethered laptop um and sometimes you would i mean this is years ago i would notice that the image quality wasn't very good and as a result it was because there was some kind of uh, image compression happening on the network um yeah i mean i don't agree with it but also, I don't agree with having very, very slow data speeds for me when I'm out and about trying to use my phone. Well, you've, um, you've slightly so- usurped my train of thought there because I was going to use the don- the tethering example because I actually remember a very specific incident uh, with this where, it, I mean, this is going back a long time because I was still at CNET. You and I, in fact, were both still at, at CNET at the time. And I'd bought an O2 dongle, a USB dongle, 3G dongle, 
let's all say dongle a little bit more shall we dongle um and i was at an event and i can't remember what the event was for but i remember uh, needing to upload images to our cms uh, you know to the website and their wi-fi in this event venue had gone down or was you know insufficient and so i had to use my o2 dongle for that and every time i uploaded these images they came out appallingly compressed because Mm. that's what the network did at the time and the only way i could actually do it was by zipping the images up and then sending them via email to a colleague that would then unzip them and that was fine but it was a real problem and i remember being incredibly furious um (laughs) because i thought well this is my data i paid for this and it's up to me how i use this but i appreciate as well with hindsight that not everybody is necessarily using it like that and not everyone has the wherewithal to know about using vpns or or compressing Mm. it with a zip or a rar or something else um but the other the other issue that and the bigger issue that i have with this is that to me it just reminds me how much networks can see about your network traffic you know there's almost a yes. privacy implication here you know o2 and and i don't want a single o2 actually specifically for but any network that does this it knows what an image is it knows you're uploading an image and it is compressing that image or that video based on either the fact that it knows the file type or it knows the source like if it's a, a youtube video or something and that's not good it's it you know it shouldn't that shouldn't be doing that but increasingly these days apps i mean that's probably not the case anymore because um i believe i'm right in saying that uh with https being encrypted they wouldn't be able to see that would they they wouldn't be able, they certainly wouldn't be able to compress the data that travels between you and the site if that site is a secure connection is that's, that right that's that's correct yeah yeah so um i mean from that perspective we were just a little bit behind the technology if everyone had just implemented https a bit sooner then it would have been wouldn't have been a problem um and most things are encrypted i mean well i say most things a lot of things are encrypted um you know people might be worried listening to that that their whatsapp pictures are being you know sent over the phone and of course that's not the case because they're encrypted on your device and no one can see that but Again, it's another very good reason to say to people, actually, are you aware that you probably should be using a VPN? I know it's a faff, but even well, so... It's- it's, it, depends. it depends how you use it. I mean, it can be a faff to get to get set up. I mean, you and it's I... It's not have- a faff on modern phones, is it? Because most of them will accept a setting that uh, enables you to just have it as the default traffic route. And yes. it's always connected, almost, uh, almost always connected. I mean, obviously, there are exceptions, but... A yes, once you've got it installed, it's not a faff. But the process of finding one and trusting one and and getting over that hurdle, I mean, I cannot imagine that many, you know, the average person is is comfortable well, knowing. Okay, I'm going to go to this VPN provider and I'm going to install this certificate that allows it to reroute my traffic over this network. And no, it's complicated. It's, are you it, still it, using Air VPN? I've been paying for Air VPN now for knocking on six years. Oh really? Yeah. Um, well, I sort of stopped because then they came, when it came up for renewal in um, around Black Friday, I, I just sort of felt that it was very expensive. I don't know why, um, but anyway, I've been I've been trying a different one, and I, I the, the the only criticism I've really got of AirVPN really is that it's actually a little bit fiddly, isn't it? It doesn't. It's not quite as easy to use. You have to install an open VPN app to install the certificate on your iPhone or I mean I assume the same is largely similar on Android um, yeah, but that's because it uses the open VPN protocol which is yes, an open which is, an open source standard so many VPN providers would do that 
Yeah, I've just been using ExpressVPN as a test and um, it has an app and it works in exactly the same way. It still installs the thing on your iPhone as it would normally, but you have a button that you can press in the app as well that will connect you if you're not connected. I don't know. I, I think that a VPN isn't as complicated as people perhaps think it is, but I also don't think that people are thinking about VPNs ever. And perhaps we should sort of make an effort to try and change that well there's people and there's people isn't there um but a vpn is a very good thing to use if you use devices on public networks in general very much Um, so i would say less important you know on your home connection but a lot of people would say well you should use it on all connections because why should you let Mm. any traffic go over any network uh, unencrypted but um as you say with https i I think that that has changed the game uh, at least enough for um, for a lot of people uh, but let us know any thoughts you have on this or what vpns you use and what do you use it for uh, you can send that to hello at techpodcast.uk you're used to hearing the smooth velvet sound of nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an ian morris opinion supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash uk tech Enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. Ian, have you ever used Expedia, Booking.com, Agoda, Hotels.com, eBookers, or Trivago? Trivago. Probably. Yeah. Uh, Probably. Well, have, when I, you, I have no idea. When you've been on those, have you seen little big red boxes? Little big red boxes? Let's call them boxes. <laughs> red boxes. On these pages that say things like, hurry, this room is selling out fast, or hurry. Ah, yes, I'm... 300 bookings yes. in the last 24 seconds, or 45 people are looking at this hotel right now. You've seen yes. those. I have seen them because I was recently involved in looking at... Because um, the Cadbury's Cream Egg people had a Cadbury's Cream Egg room um, and there was 10 grand hidden in it and you could book the room. It was a tenner. Um, but you had to be, you had to find the, uh, the room on, I think it was hotels.com or something like that. Amazing. Maybe it was booking.com. It was great. Uh, another one of my great stories. Indeed. Enjoy. More of Ian's great stories next week. Uh, but continuing our <laughs> but trend. Yes, I have seen the message. Yes. Continuing our trend uh, this week of looking at what regulators are doing to crack down on tech companies, the BBC wrote that these sites, Um, have been investigated over these high-pressure selling tactics and misleading discount claims. Now, this is the CMA, the Competition and Markets Authority, said uh, that it was concerned that the sites were making rooms seem more popular than they were. The companies have all now agreed to do the following. To make it clearer how hotels are graded, including whether hotels paying the ranking sites more to receive a position higher up in the list... um, to not give a false impression of a hotel's popularity to rush customers into making a booking. That's the particular one that I find irksome. Um, For example, a lot of the time there are websites that say there's people looking at the same hotel as you, but it's not actually clearly pointing out that they're looking at completely different dates uh, or different types of rooms. Um, So the sites have committed not to do this anymore. Uh, And also to be clear about the discounts uh, and only promoting deals that are available at certain times. The CMA apparently found that sites comparing a higher weekend room rate with a weekday rate or were comparing the price of a luxury suite with a standard room um 
I don't know if that makes any sense to you because I just read it out and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But the bottom line <laughs> here uh, is that that kind of very high pressure online saying that selling that makes it seem like everything is just about to go and you've got to book right now is going to go by the wayside, which I am all in favour of because I do actually find it quite stressful and it makes me not want to yes. use these websites. And it's particularly effective, I think, on websites. Um, it's not something you you'd necessarily get over the phone or in in person with a travel agent. You know, they would have their own. <laughs> their own um, uh, pressure selling methods to apply to you but uh, on the web this is a particular problem and it uh... Uh, I agree and it, and it does and it does work and it, uh, it's not just hotel sites and stuff like that is it there are other, there are other examples of uh, you know uh, sales countdowns and stuff like that where um, I mean you could even apply it to Amazon I mean on Black Friday um, when they've got you know very strictly limited numbers of items, um, I mean, I'm sure that is a legitimate thing and that there are only a certain number of them. But I the think way that is absolutely is to the pressurize case. you. I think that is yes. absolutely the case. I think they are definitely, they definitely have a specific number, I, I really Well, they think. do. But also, I bought a Nintendo Switch <clears throat> on one of those sales. Um, and I did that because there was only a limited number of them. So I went on and knew it was limited so i put it in my basket and i thought i've got 15 minutes to think about this and then i bought it um so it worked i probably wouldn't have bought a switch if it hadn't been on a special offer that's just that's 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 just that's just you being a sucker i mean isn't that what this is all about really i mean isn't that the same argument like you know you know that um your your rational brain must know that when you're on hotels.com the chance of someone booking the last room in a hotel that you're looking at on exactly the date you want it isn't very likely and yet it's still you know something that people that were they're gonna crack down on so you you know as well as anyone that that is just as much of a nonsense therefore we're all idiots is my conclusion no thank you very much no but thank you for coming to my ted talk no completely i mean i'm i'm a i'm a huge impulse buyer i mean i i since you were just talking i was actually looking at amazon (laughs) at uh the nintendo switch and noticed that there's free delivery tomorrow and i'm actually quite tempted to buy one um mate you should it's a great console it really is yeah it says uh sponsored products related to this item Netgear GS10 5 UK 5 port gigabit unmanaged oh, Ethernet oh, switch. Um, oh. Another Netgear uh, Ethernet switch. Uh, or I could buy Crash Team Nitro Racing, uh, published mm. by Nintendo. So a little bit of work uh, needed on Amazon's site. But no, it, it's impulse buying and, and it works very, very well. And I'm a massive impulse buyer. Um, so yeah, it, it, it frustrates me no end. But there we go. It's going away, which is good. That's the best thing. Uh, but let us know any thoughts you have on this, of course, as with any other things that's been observed by your eyes or ears or other senses this week in the tech world. Hello at techpodcast.uk. Well, in the mailbag this week, Ian, we had um, a little bit of feedback from one of our uh, patrons, John Atwood, who said he uh, re- really enjoyed the debates on reviewers being paid and disclosing when they're paid. Uh, we talked about that. Was it last week or the week before? I think it was. it was within the last two weeks. Is He says, my two cents, or two pennies, I'm in Southern California, is there should be more disclosure when a reviewer is loaned a product to review, as a poor review may result in that reviewer no longer being loaned future products, possibly putting them out of business. Now, I really thought this was an, a very smart comment because initially I, I wondered what good would that make? And then the more I thought about it, I thought, no, he's right. If you... If you're if you're having a if you're reviewing a product and you're told this product has been reviewed and you it has been loaned for review and you still give it a low score, 
then you'd be more inclined to believe them that what they're telling you is completely true because they might be cutting their nose to spite their face. Similarly, if they're giving a very positive review, is that skewed by the fact that their business depends on getting further loans in future? And, you know, this is something that Ian and I have been dealing with for the last 12 years or so reviewing yeah. products because if you go on a website and you can pretty much name any tech website anywhere in the world and i would say probably 90 percent of them the reviews that you read those products have been loaned yeah they're not buying yeah, they are not buying them they are all well, you couldn't do it could you i being, mean it would be financially impossible correct but you could always disclose who loaned them to you and many do many mm. many 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 do no one's trying to hide that fact um but often the you know who is loaning them to you might be quite might be quite significant yes for example if you borrow a phone from ee instead of borrowing it from say samsung then you won't be under any pressure from samsung to write anything specific about that phone um you know having a service provider in the middle sort of gets you around that um, but of course, then the service provider is looking for some promotion of their own. But I suppose that's arguably less offensive than a reviewer failing to review a product properly because they were worried that they won't get the next product. Yeah, and this, this is what I mean. and, and and that happens a lot. It's a really good example because many reviewers, you know, if you if you go on on any UK site, certainly you may find that they're reviewing phones and they'll say, oh, it's available on EE for such and such pounds a month, or. Um, available on O2 or on Vodafone or whoever. And that's largely probably because it's that network that that loaned that phone. And it's mm. it's it's fairly it's fairly standard practice. They get sent back when they're done and everyone's kind of on a level playing field in a certain extent. And, you know, we've reviewed um products on the show that Apple has loaned me and we've and we've talked about that. But, you know, for example, the iPad that I raved about, I bought one of those. That's mine. Yeah, I bought it. I, I like to put my money where my mouth is, and um, and many people do the same. So it's and I bought your Mac off you, and I love yes. it. Yes, yes, you, you bought know. the Mac off me. That's true. Which I bought myself also after reviewing it for <laughs> yes. Wired. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a it's a good way of working, and and I would actually say that it's less it's less worrisome than maybe some people might might think. Um, and no reviewer worth their salt will ever let the supplier of a product dictate or control what is said in that review no you know they may whinge um, and, I, and bitch and moan about it but um but hopefully that won't make a difference but but also i will say that for the most part companies are not you know they know that they can't do that um unless there's a a, a factual error or you know something like that i you know it is not the case usually that a, a company will come back to you they sometimes might say they're disappointed if you uh you know if you give something a low score that they think should have had a better score but re re usually you don't hear anything like i gave that google pixel slate thing an absolute hammering because it's such a complete dog of a product but they don't seem to bothered. I mean, they sort of understand that that's the game. And ultimately, when you're reviewing a product, they've probably used it. They're probably well aware of any yeah. shortcomings it may or may not have. Yeah, and there have been many examples. I mean, I, I remember there was an example um, of a product Andy was reviewing for, for CNET, and it's not my business to disclose who it was, but I know that you know he gave a product a very uh, poor review and stuck by his, his beliefs, and everything that he wrote was completely quantifiable and they were very very 
keen to to understand why and what they could do better and you know yeah. his answer was always the same every time like these are the problems just make this better and eventually they did make another product and and sent it back and they had improved it and he gave it a better review it's like well that's yeah. that's how it should work and there were there were another another example so i remember there was once there was a review that i hadn't written but a freelancer had written for wired back when i was editing wired online and the the pr person that uh, who had you know arranged for that product to be to be sent in for review had gone to such an extent of why they thought we were wrong as to send a an annotated word document with all the bits in the review they disagreed with highlighted to the reviewer um to explain why they were wrong and as, yeah. and as far as i'm aware that got sent back up to head office and that person was actually fired for doing that really um, yeah um and there was another instance uh and it, this was back when i was at cnet and we had GameSpot as a sister publication and the, the the video game publisher had tried to say if you were giving a review less than like i think six out of ten or the equivalent or lower then you could only publish your review after a certain date oh get to hell and but if you gave it a seven or equivalent or higher you could publish on you know on launch day oh my god well i'm sorry but i would have laughed my ass off and then published with a zero yeah well we, and a note explaining why well the easiest thing to do was just to not review it and just say well <laughs> yes and but that's, that, that's actually kind of i mean that that I, that I have an issue with that because um you know you you could say i mean i suppose we've all done it really like if if you get a product in for review um and ultimately you you use it and you think actually this product isn't really very good i i would struggle to recommend it why not i just not bother to review it but actually you're kind of doing the audience a disservice there because it's essentially you're not providing the information that would be useful to someone making a purchasing decision um i mean a lot of the time it, it is it isn't big products that are terrible because these days most things are good but even so, I kind of think, and as someone who's occasionally tried to find reviews of products online and been frustrated by the fact that there isn't any information, I'm kind of like, you know, what what is going on here? And you can't rely on Amazon reviews and stuff like that because that is a train wreck of a thing. It's, it is a challenge, yeah, definitely. I mean, and ge- the games publishing is, is one of the most uh, difficult and, and similar, I think, to movies as well because the the code the gaming review code that you're getting you're only able to get from one source you know unless yes. the game has been released and then you go to a shop and buy it you can't yeah. you're relying on those publishers to give you that code ahead of time and it's very standard practice to do that um and you'll review the first three levels or the first two hours or or what have you and sometimes yes you get the game the full game uh, ahead of time and, and you do it but if you annoy that publisher and this happens a lot like they can just easily cut you off or not give you code and then you've got no other way of getting that that code but i will say this as well the the tide for particularly gaming has turned because gaming now is very very reliant on streamers yes exactly Uh, you know people on twitch people on youtube whatever who stream the game and that builds up an audience and that is probably more valuable than reviewers but at the same time you know, I, presumably those gamers will only play games that they genuinely like. If you've got to sit in front of a computer for 50 hours or whatever, it, you know, could be more, then you've got to really actually like that game. And you're probably picking one game because 
there's not a lot of time in the world. Actually, I mean, I, so, I'm friends with with a few streamers, and and two or three of them are are partnered with with the publishers of the games that they tend to to, to play. But they're not mm. they're not beholden to 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 stream only that one game or only that publisher's game. It just means that when they do stream that game, they may get certain benefits, or they may get their streams promoted, or yeah. um, they may you know there's there's something called Twitch drops. Which, if you're a so, for example, I watch a lot of Elder Scrolls um, streamers, and and most of the people that I know who are kind of professionally streaming are Elder Scrolls streamers. Um, they will partner with Bethesda or Zenimax online um, to allow people who are logged into Twitch and who have linked their Twitch accounts to their Elder Scrolls account to earn in-game rewards by watching those streamers. So it's you know everyone everyone kind of wins when that when that happens except for games that are not published by that publisher because they don't no, get sure. covered as much. But also, we- I think that if if you wanted to set out to be a very ethical reviewer, then you could just say, look, my review will not come out when the game comes out. Um, I will review it when I buy it, and because you know ultimately it, it is a lot more affordable to buy um, a game than it is a phone. Uh, obviously, if you were buying lots of games, that would become a challenge um but if you wanted to be to to be someone who was able to review a game based on you know actually buying it and playing it for a length of time or whatever then i think there is a market for that kind of thing i don't see that quite the same in consumer tech because i think it's all day zero kind of stuff if you don't have it up when it's available then no one's going to read your review well if you want to, to read my favorite ever account of um uh games reviewing failure just do a Google search or a, or a, a Bing search or something for Duke Nukem PR uh, review or something along those lines. Because um, when the Duke Nukem Forever game came out, there was a, a terrible account of a PR agency threatening sites over these bad reviews for the games, and it's uh, they apologised eventually. But it was it was a, a wow. whole big a whole big mess. But um, and you have them threatening to pull copyright claims on people on youtube as well because obviously they do own the copyright so they kind of although that's Ill, i think that's illegitimate it is it, there is some legal basis for them to do it i mean that is a very bad route yeah the whole thing was just just a a, a big mistake but we've we've yeah. probably gone down this rabbit hole uh, longer than we should but uh, thank you john for sending in your thoughts and for provoking quite a lengthy discussion um any other thoughts of course from anyone welcome hello at techpodcast.uk now, here's a voice that we haven't heard for a little while, Mr. Tom Merritt, um, who's going to tell us what's been going on over the last week in the global tech news arena. Tom. This week on Daily Tech News Show, we talk about why people don't quit Facebook. Maybe most people aren't as mad as all the headlines tell us, even if you think they should be. Plus, a Microsoft report shows a slight rise in civility online, especially in the UK, US, Germany, France, and Belgium. We also touch on Spotify's podcasting ambition, telcos selling your information, and Jeff Bezos's problems. All that and more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Thank you, Tom. Uh, yes, do check out dailytechnewsshow.com. Very glad to have Tom's voice back in our ears. We've missed your voice, Tom. And hopefully you've missed mm. ours because I'll be sending you a promo when we finish the recording of the show, which is about now. Um, so thank you to our patrons for supporting us every week. If you would like to jump in and become one of our patrons, we had a very 
in-depth, lengthy discussion this week about Spotify buying a bunch of podcasting companies. And we've Ian and I have talked at great length about um, how we feel this may change the industry for the better, possibly for the worse. It depends on uh, on the, the, the perspective that you have. But we, we talked about that. And you can get instant access to that if you head to patreon.com forward slash UK tech and uh, help us finish February with one extra Patreon than we did last month. And uh, you can do that right now and get instant access to our back catalogue. Yes, and you can send us comments to hello at techpodcast.uk and follow us on Twitter at textmessagepod to keep up to date with the most important UK technology news and headlines throughout the week. And thanks to everyone listening to us on our free ad-supported feed. If you have a moment to leave a review on iTunes, it's the best way of supporting us without spending a penny. It is indeed. Well said, Ian. Uh, So that's from me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Text Message with your host, Nate Langson. If you get value from the show, please consider joining our many supporters on Patreon. You can get access to a version of the show every week with no ads and as much as 40% more discussion every time. There's no obligation, so why not try a month by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech or looking for the link in this episode's description.